to today's audio podcast from the Church at Bushland. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of the Church at Bushland and would like to enjoy more resources and weekly updates, we hope you will visit our website at thechurchatbushland.com or download our app by searching for The Church at Bushland in your app store. We'd love to know how this ministry is touching your life. Please take a moment to let us know how this ministry is impacting your life by emailing us at info at thechurchatbushland.com. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so in our app or by visiting thechurchatbushland.com slash give. Welcome to another episode of Digging for the Truth. I am Trent Taylor, your host. And tonight, yes, I'm going to go ahead and let's get the little green thing here out of the way. Okay, before you judge. All right, the reason I'm drinking this is because I judged. I made fun of somebody. I said, I got some lawn clippings at home. I will let you have. And then she said, you want to taste it? And I tasted it, and now I'm drinking it, okay? So listen, if you don't want to become what you judge, then don't judge it. I'm just saying. It's actually pretty dang good. Anyway, that aside, tonight we have a really interesting podcast for you. I get a lot of questions about the things going on in Israel. Now, me, I usually teach on a lot of things in regards to the end times and prophecy of our end times, and I'll line things up. Um, We're going to take a very pragmatic approach to that tonight as well, though, about the history of Israel, how we got, or how Israel, and and how the, the state of Israel is in the position it's in, and where probably and likely this is going. Um... And I have a, a very special person that I want to bring on here in just a few minutes that you might recognize. She's been on the podcast before. It's been a little bit, um, but I cannot wait for you to just hear the knowledge that she has. So I want to touch on a few things before we get too deep into the podcast. First of all, we're trying to average over 1,000 uh, you know, views on YouTube and so forth per episode. That's the goal for this year. Um, so please, subscribe. If this podcast has blessed you in any way, we, we do spend a lot of time and energy, and it's not about hits. It's about spreading the word, the gospel. We teach the word. Uh, the podcast that uh, came out previously, we, this is called Digging for the Truth. We dug into the truth. We dug into the word. Um, and we're going to talk about a lot of interesting topics, uh, some coming up soon. And we're going to be doing about three or four episodes <clears throat> over, over the Nephilim and the Rephaim and the Anakim and where the, the, the giants came from. Before the flood and the antediluvian giants, and there's so much there. It's just so interesting, and I can't wait to share some of that with you. But we're also going to be talking about a lot of things going on in the world as it relates to uh, some things going on just inside of the church, which actually kind of is a little bit a touch of a topic today, um, you know, because the, the the Pope has recently said some very foolish things. We're going to touch on some of those things. We're going to touch on uh, the Methodist Church wanting to erase the terms husband and wife in the U.K., uh, there, there's just so much going on. Well, why? Well, we'll talk about apostasies and so forth. But yet, this I, I, I've talked to in, in previous podcast about 2024. Yeah, all that stuff, it, it lines up with Scripture. But we should be encouraged. We should be encouraged. These things, because it's lining up with prophecy, and we're beginning to see how pre-tribulation and the tribulation, how you can move in that direction based on the current state of the world, it should encourage us as Christians. Um, also, to that point, I will be doing a teaching probably pretty soon um, on the pre-tribulation view, which I have. I absolutely believe Jesus is coming for his church. Um, I do not believe that we will be part of the tribulation for one nanosecond. Um, And so these are things that should encourage us. Okay, so with that being said, tonight we have—so I get asked questions quite a bit about Israel, so the conversation tonight 
is is one, and, and I'm, I wanted to bring somebody on that is far more knowledgeable than me, uh, especially as it relates to the history of Israel, um, just uh, the undercurrents of uh, the Jewish people and, uh, and where we are. And so with that being said, I want to introduce you guys to Courtney Crowley. Courtney, how are you doing? Doing all right. How about you? I am doing so well. I just want to tell you, I really appreciate you coming on this evening and taking the time to do this. Absolutely. I, I have to confess something. While you're drinking something healthy, I'm over here drinking Dr. Pepper. I hope that's okay. <laughs> Actually, I think I prefer what you're drinking. Um, no, that's, ab- that's absolutely fine. You know, I knew that somebody's going to see the green stuff, and I'm going to get a comment, or somebody's going to ask about it. It's like, let's just get it out of the, get it out of the way. Well, hey, so Courtney, first of all, you know, we've, you and I, we've had a lot of fun conversations over, you know, over the past couple of years, just um, about Israel, about things in scripture, about prophecy. Um, And we've wanted to get back and talk about what's going on because so much has happened since we last spoke, especially in the state of Israel. So I know that everybody's want to go straight to, hey, well, tell us about what's going on right now in Israel and where it's all going. But I think we need to stop for a minute and talk about a little bit of history so that we can have a basic understanding of Gaza, what Gaza is, um, who the people are in Gaza. Uh, you know, the Egyptians, they, <laughs> they, they didn't want them anymore. Like, please, just take them off our hands. I mean, how did we get here? Who are they? Can you give us a little background of uh, Gaza and Israel, please? Yeah, absolutely. So, You know, when we look at Israel and we look at the modern state of Israel, we're talking about a nation that was, you know, officially recognized by the world vis-a-vis the United Nations in 1947. And then, of course, they were born by fire in 1948. Uh, And what's always important to note is that when Israel became a nation, the world had offered the Arabs about half of the territory of modern Israel. Uh, And the Arabs rejected it, saying, absolutely not. We don't want a country if there's going to be an Israel right next to us. The Jews don't deserve a state. So Israel had to fight a war. uh, And ultimately what happened is that the Arabs lost a ton of territory that they would have had, uh, had they simply acknowledged that the Jews had a right to a nation of their own. And so you get portions that we hear about a lot today, like the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, as it's called. And these were held by Arab countries. You talked about it, Gaza Strip. It was under the control of Egypt. And we have the Jordanians who controlled the West Bank, and that includes Jerusalem. But what did they not do in these territories? They did not create an Arab state for the Palestinians. Instead, they just held on to it. Uh, And what's important to note as well, forced the Palestinians to live as second-class citizens. Um, And then, of course, Israel gets into another war, not of their own making, of course, in 1967. Uh, And this is when they wind up with full control of the Gaza Strip, the West Bank, and the Golan Heights. Uh, And in so doing, they now have this vast Palestinian population that they have to deal with. Uh, And as we've seen ever since, Israel's had to deal with a vast amount of terrorism. So Israel decided in an effort to create some sort of peace, they pulled completely out of the Gaza Strip back in 2005. That meant that they pulled out each and every single Jewish Israeli who lived there, who had created a beautiful life for themselves and their families. Keep in mind that this is also beautiful real estate. Uh, And they handed it over completely to the Palestinians and said, 
if you can manage this, then we'll give you more territory in the West Bank. Uh, and unsurprisingly to anybody who is willing to acknowledge the truth, uh, Gaza Palestinians proved unable to do so. In 2006, we get a coup uh, and Hamas, which is a terrorist organization supported by Iran, mm -hmm. takes over and they just create a, you know, a terrorist statelet in Gaza. So we've had wars aplenty uh, between Israel and Gaza ever since, but of course nothing on the scale like what we saw on October 7th, the, you know, the barbarity and inhumanity of everything oh, yeah. that they did. So th there's a long history here and people will say, oh, it's, it's complex and there's so much context that you need. No, it's pretty simple. It's simple in the fact that the Arabs have rejected Israel time and time again. There's never been any peace. And as Christians, there's a whole other level here that we should acknowledge, and it's that uh, God formed a covenant with the Jewish people. That's right. Promised them their land, promised them their existence, uh, and that covenant came at a great cost. Of course, the enemy is going to do whatever they can to, you know, eviscerate that covenant. It's impossible, but the enemy tries nonetheless. So we need to understand that Israel has absolutely a right to exist. It has a responsibility to defend itself. And we as Christians have a responsibility to stand up and defend the Israelis now, both in prayer and in action. And so that's kind of where we are at this point. Well, you mentioned a couple of things that I think we ought to talk about. Um, <clears throat> so we talk about the West Bank. And if we're talking about the West Bank, the location of that is is uh, Samaria and Judah, right? So or Judea. Um, mm -hmm. And so we, we use these modern terms um, that we're not are not in the Bible. So you hear Gaza, you hear West Bank, hear the Golan Heights. Well, there, there's a few things that actually have reference in Scripture, but the Golan Heights. Let's uh, let's talk about that for just a moment. Um, that's an important piece of of territory as it relates to the security of of Israel, and even the United States has said that that area, including our president and the administration, has said that they should give that that territory back to control of the Palestinian Authority. There's a pretty significant problem with that. To my estimation, and correct me if I'm wrong, I think I heard something to the effect of 700,000 uh, Israelis are in that area. Okay, So they would be displaced because the Palestinian Authority would not allow uh, any Jews to live within that area. It was one of the, was one of the uh, uh, groups I was listening to recently talking on that point. But secondly, the Golan Heights, where it is strategically, if they were given control of that, Essentially, everybody in Israel would be just a sitting duck. Is that, that true? Absolutely. So when we're looking at, uh, in terms of strategic value, it's the high point of Israel. And when the Syrians controlled it, they had a hobby. Uh, and that hobby was to fire down on the Israelis living down below. Right. If you have the high ground, it's just a basic principle that you have the advantage. And so the Jews who lived down below the Syrians... There on what was the border at that point, uh, we have what is called the um, the bomb shelter generation, because the Jewish children who lived on the farms up in the north often had to go into shelters because they're being shelled by the Syrians, and so their childhood was spent hiding from that. Uh, we see that on the kibbutzim up north, right, these Jewish farms, uh, that they had their tractors, but they were lead plated made bulletproof because they're constantly being shelled mm. as they're going about their normal lives. So it's completely untenable to say that Israel should turn it over. That's a non-starter. Um, and it's it's ridiculous 
uh, to even suggest it because if they do hand it over, we're going to go right back to where we were pre-1967 of being shelled all of the time, not to mention uh, the human loss, as you said, in terms of people having to move, resettle, etc. So well, the cost would be incredible. The cost would be incredible. Not only the cost of not only just financial costs, I'm talking the cost of life, because the right. one difference between the 60s and now is the number of people in that region. Um, it, it, it just it, it's there's a, <clears throat> a book written by uh, Bill Koenig. He's actually been on uh, uh, Tipping Point a number of times. He wrote a book called Eye to Eye. Are you familiar with that book? Mm-hmm. I am. Yeah. Um, and it's kind of interesting. He, 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 he basically took all these different times when the land of Israel had been divided up and what happened to those entities involved, specifically the United States. And it's generally never good. Everything from financial crisis to, uh, tropical storms to in, in you, after I read the book and, and, and went and just looked at all the dates and when things happen, it's, it's pretty hard to not say, okay, well, there's just definitely, you can't, that statistically, that can't be a coincidence. Um, and so God is going to always protect his people. Tell us a little more, okay, so we talked about the Golan Heights, the, the, the West Bank, okay, that's obviously very important um, because that encapsulates, uh, well, the most, I would say, sought-after plot of land in the entire world. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us the importance of, of them maintaining West Bank. Yeah, so first of all, as you said, there's this issue of nomenclature because when we say West Bank, oh, that sounds very generic and sterile, but it is Judea and Samaria, which is the biblical heartland of Israel. This is this covenanted territory was promised to David and his descendants, right, that the city of Jerusalem will always bear God's name, that this territory will always be yours. So, of course, with the enemy, and we're talking on a spiritual level, but we're also looking at the political enemies of Israel, whether that's in the form of Hamas or the Palestinian Authority or the Jordanians, Iranians, etc. They're always going to go after what's most important and valuable, and that's, of course, going to be Jerusalem and then the heartland. And so that's under attack. But that is something that for the Jewish people, when they ultimately did regain this territory, it was this fulfillment of a promise and it completely enlivened and revitalized the Jewish people. And yes, they've tried to make various treaties and compromises and there's the Oslo Accords that says, you know, this territory is area B, A, C, all of that. But just the suggestion that Israel needs to give up this territory in terms of its security, that's completely unworkable. In terms of its identity as a Jewish nation, it's completely unworkable. And then on a spiritual level, it's also completely unworkable because that's a covenant to territory. Mm-hmm. Right. And you shouldn't, there should be no demands made of Israel to give it up. Uh, but what we're going to see, I expect, and right, take it with a grain of salt. I'm a historian. I can't prophesy <laughs> anything here. But I suspect you're going to see that American support for Israel is going to decline rather quickly. And there are going to be more demands made of Israel to compromise and to to step back, as it were, and give the Palestinians yet another try. Even though the Palestinians have, as Abba even once said, they never miss an opportunity to miss an opportunity. Uh, and that's precisely what they've done time and again. And, and so... Any suggestion of Israel giving up territory is ridiculous. 
Well, also, so <clears throat> it kind of moves us up a little bit. So we're going to talk about some modern things. Um, I think what a lot of people want to know, first of all, what's going on there um, in regards to why <clears throat> they are being attacked. Now, first of all, I want to say this. Every, in the Old Testament, every minor prophet, every prophet with the exception of Jonah made some reference to the latter days, okay, towards everything moving in this direction to where I believe that we are now. Um, one of the passages <clears throat> that I have read back, I've read through a number of times, and I've listened to some people that I highly respect uh, on this particular topic, and I, I and I think this is potentially what's going on right now. Is, is, is uh, it is prophecy? I know, I know, I'm mixing prophecy and Bible. That's what you are, though. That's who you are. <laughs> you are, you know, uh, uh, just a, a mighty Bible-believing Christian. You're not afraid to say that. That's one of the reasons why, and we're going to get to this in a minute, but this is one of the reasons why, uh, not only as a historian, understanding the history of the Bible and, you know, the, the Jews and the location and the people of Israel, why that's, as Christians, we're, it's so important for us to, to defend. But in Israel, or sorry, not in Israel, in Psalm 83, um, I believe that this is very likely what we're looking at from a biblical perspective right now on a, on a you know, prophetic timescale. Okay, this is my opinion. That's the opinion of some others, but when you really dig into it, you look at the historical context, when you look at the locations of what those locations were at the time this would have been written, it, 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 just, it just screams to me, um, we're looking right now probably at, at Psalm 83. I want you to go ahead and give me your opinion on that. Yeah, so like you, I'll say that I don't know for certain if this is Psalm 83 or not. Um, unfortunately, God doesn't come down and, you know, discuss with me all of his plans in great detail. <laughs> but when you look at Psalm 83 and it outlines who these enemies are that are coming against Israel, uh, it includes what would encompass modern Jordan. We're talking about down in Gaza. We're going up into Lebanese territory and up into Turkey and over to Iraq and then potentially down into Saudi Arabia as well. So if this is Psalm 83, then... What we need to know is that this war would expand exponentially because mm -hmm. where it is now, that, that, that's not where it will stay. And we are seeing on the ground, of course, there's the war in Gaza against Hamas, but there's also a great deal of tension and it's heating up rather quickly up in the north against Hezbollah, which is based in Lebanon. Mm -hmm. So this war has the great potential of expanding and expanding very quickly, and it could become what is Psalm 83. So as a Christian, I would say absolutely take some time to read Psalm 83. You can just Google it and find the maps, and it'll show you precisely where these territories are that it's referring to, because as God says pretty clearly, I am the Lord and I do not change, and mm -hmm. unfortunately the enemies don't change all that much either. So what's written down uh, in the Bible can often refer to modern entities as well. I don't know if we might want to touch on it here in a minute, but I believe that the Psalm 83 war will lead into the Ezekiel 38, 39 prophecies of the Gog and Magog wars. Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> so I'm not trying to get too deep tonight. If you're listening to the podcast and you've not really, um, or, or you're watching online and you've never really read Ezekiel 38, 39, Psalm 84, please go, go read these. And get a baseline, um, but in Ezekiel 38, um, it refers to something 
uh, called the Gog Magog War. And the Gog is a person. Magog is a location. Magog is likely Russia. Uh, it includes places called Rosh, Meshach, and Tubal. So we're talking about, and I've taught on this in the podcast before. So if you've listened uh, to this for very long, um, you can actually go back. Um, and there's some podcasts that are pretty evident that I'm probably going to be speaking on this subject in regards to end times. But <clears throat> You're looking at Turkey, and you're looking at Iran, Sudan, Yemen, um, the, some of these northern African countries, right? So you're, you're looking at, at, at things. And so a part of that, that, that prophecy is that um, Israel will be a hook. And as I noticed, and I mentioned to you um, offline that I had not noticed this until a while back when I was reading, and I noticed that that term hook was actually hooks, plural. It will set hooks in the jaw. Of Magog of that territory of those of that group and it will draw them down into uh, to Israel. Looking at Joel three, it also talks about in down, they'll be drawn into the Valley of Jehoshaphat. All that being said, let's just talk about modern current events. There's a war going on with Russia and Ukraine that I believe was absolutely fabricated. Um, it's an absolute mess. They're talking. There are Russia has the, the losses of Russia. It's no longer about quality military. It's about quantity. And here's the thing is they are a dangerous, it's like a, it's a, like a wounded panther in a corner, in my opinion. They have nuclear weapons, and I believe it's going to come some point where they're just going to say, hey, but the hooks in the jaw, I'm going to get your take. I believe that it's twofold. They have become dependent. So there was a, a treaty, basically an alignment between Turkey, Russia, and Iran. Um, that happened last year. And in fact, the, the Turkey is extremely anti-Jew, uh, anti anti-Semitic. We're going to talk more about anti-Semitism here shortly. But um, Iran is providing drones and weapons to Russia for fighting against Ukraine. So my take is, based on current events, could be wrong. I believe Gog, <laughs> if it were to happen today, it'd be Putin. Okay, I'm just saying, if it were to happen today... And Magog, Russia, okay, so that relationship, I believe that Iran is going to eventually, because they, they, their, their stated goal in, in existence is to wipe Israel off the face of the earth. I believe they're going to draw Russia and say, listen, we've been supplying you, and if you want any more help, you know, in the position you're in, you're going to come down. But I think a second hook um, that will entice them to come down is all of the oil. I think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure that Israel's sitting on the largest known a reserve of natural gas uh, on the planet. I don't, I don't mean, I know it's huge. So mm -hmm. what are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, you know, I think one of the things living in modern America is that we often lose perspective uh, and we fail to understand you know, when we read phrases like, you know, hook in their jaw. Well, gee, what could that be? You know, is this something that's, you know, profoundly theological here? It's no way to understand the reality is no, things are very practical and pragmatic, particularly when we're talking about war. And so when we're talking about a hook in the jaw of a nation like Russia, which is in a state of desperation, right? to be fair, the last thing you should want to be in this life is a Russian soldier because mm -hmm. throughout history, that's just been the oh, worst. They're, they're horrible. Recipe. They're horrible. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But what we're seeing is that we have a Russia that's desperate. It is isolated, except from, as you said, uh, their allies vis-a-vis -vis Iran, Turkey, etc. But when there's this desperation, you often become envious, obviously, of those who are successful. 
Uh, and who is successful? Well, those who carry the blessing of the Lord, and that mm -hmm. includes most obviously Israel. So as you said, yes, they have a vast amount of natural gas that they can supply to Europe. Russia's economy is very one-faceted, uh, namely that it's based solely upon oil. They really have nothing else going for them. And so if they lose that market, uh, then that's an end game for them. And so, of course, they're going to want to go after Israel. And then you add in, as you said, you have the radicals of Erdogan in Turkey. Of course, you have the Ayatollahs in Iran who are radical oh, yeah. and all of their allies around Israel as well. So we're absolutely primed to see that take place. Uh, again, I don't know the time of when that will happen, but I wouldn't be surprised if it happened in the fairly near future. So, okay, let's, let's mention, you talked about the Ayatollahs. <clears throat> so when the Ayatollahs came into um, power, um, I've, I've told some stories. There was actually a man that used to work for my dad, um, and he was in Iran. Iran, before the Ayatollahs came, was a very westernized, almost like country. They were, they were actually leaders um, in computers and computer technology. They were probably uh, amongst the top. It was a, actually a very great, good place to live. Um, the Ayatollahs mm -hmm. came in. And people began to flee. Um, uh, homie Farsi is actually this man's name. He's, he's a neat guy. And I got to know him as a kid. So, but when the Ayatollahs came in, um, they were not as 12th Imam driven. Now, I think everything in regards to Iran is 100% 12th Imam. They're trying to bring about what we call the Antichrist. They call their good guy. Uh, right, yeah. And, and I believe to do that. So... Tell me or tell us what, what what are the all the connections? We know that Iran is probably pulling all the strings here with Hamas, uh, Hezbollah, um, Houthis in Yemen. Can you can you touch on that and kind of maybe explain uh, what that relationship looks like? Sure. So as you said, you have the Iranian Revolution in 1979. Prior to that, Iran was fairly Western, modern. Uh, they were actually allies with Israel. Uh, they had. A, fairly decent relationship, in fact, with trade and uh, otherwise. But when you get the Ayatollahs who come in, it's radically anti-Western. This is when we begin to hear of America as the great Satan and Israel as the little Satan. Uh, and it's only gotten worse. It's a radical theocracy. Uh, Shia Islam, right? they're Persian, they're not Arab. So there's always going to be this disconnect between them and say the Saudis who are Sunni, et cetera, et cetera. It can be rather messy and complicated if you really dig into it. But what we have is a nation that has isolated itself and feels isolated by other countries uh, and they're jealous of Israel. And I think in some level, it's important to make a distinction between the Ayatollahs themselves who are radical uh, and the Iranian people, many of whom dislike the uh, rulers there because they didn't really get what they asked for in the revolution. Uh, and many uh, Iranians are in fact fairly warm towards Israel, but they're living under a dictatorship. But Iran is so radical that they have to constantly get some sort of enemy, right? You can't maintain control unless there's a common enemy and that's going to be Israel and you have to um, influence in whatever way they can. So as you said, they have multiple proxies, whether it's Hamas or the Houthis in Yemen who are causing all kinds of issues. And yet for some reason, we haven't wiped them off the face of the earth yet, you know, but I know. yeah, it, it's, it's ridiculous what we're allowing to, you know, continue over there. But Iran is much like Russia. It's in a pretty desperate state itself. 
The economy um, could falter at any point. We know that they're working on their nuclear program, but what's also important to note is that Israel is not going to permit their nuclear program to go online. Uh, and they understand well, weaponized, that. Well, the weaponized version of it. I think they're at 60%. Right. They're at 60%, 60%, and I think they have to get to, but I heard the leap to 90% from 60 is not very hard, and I think you need to get to 90 for weaponized, if I'm not right. I think I'm correct. But, but rest assured, Israel is fully aware of that, and they've gone to great pains to disrupt the program, and they've done very well thus far. Um, but you're, you're hearing a lot of saber rattling, and it is you know scary to think about. But never underestimate the Israelis, even when the world turns against them, which will happen even worse than we're seeing now. Uh, they do have a God who will ensure their survival. So, you know, it, it can be a bit intimidating to look at world affairs, but I would contend that it should also be somewhat exhilarating because I think we're in the, you know, rare position of being able to see uh, biblical prophecy come to fruition, and we're primed to be in a position to watch the Lord act uh, in ways that we've never really seen before. Well, I think that <clears throat> it's interesting that you say that. I So I, the last podcast, if you've watched or listened, I did speak about Hezekiah and the Assyrians. <laughs> yeah, and, and how God supernaturally, it, it was impossible for them to, it, seemingly to defeat the Assyrians. Um, but yet God sent in one night an angel and, and killed 185,000 uh, of the Assyrian in the army. And, you know, I think that we're going to, I think that even before, you know, God comes and, and gets his church, we're going to get to see some of these types of events. This is just me, Trent, saying that. I'm not quoting scripture. I'm just saying, because... <clears throat> There's more than we're speaking about all the areas in the Middle East, but there's so much going on in the world. The scripture, the Bible does not talk about America um, in the in, in the end times, really, in the tribulation. So, and if you look at the decline of our country, I'm going to be doing a podcast on this not too long, but we owe $34 trillion in debt every day that goes by. Uh, the interest alone is $2 billion with a B. Uh, dollars. Um, we are reaching basically, I, I believe we're past it. I think the bridge is, is out. Um, you can't, the, the, the GDP, the, the, the debt to GDP ratio is, is so far gone that I believe that we, and not only that, we have our current administration giving over sovereignty to the World Health Organization, um, the deep connection to China and the World Economic Forum, there's just so many things, okay? So and I don't, I'm not trying to get off on that. What I'm saying is you have all these other world events taking place, okay, simultaneously as the Middle East and the war in Russia and Ukraine and all these things. They're gonna ha they, they will have. It's, it's impossible for it not to have an impact um, on Israel. And I think that you take this tiny little nation, okay, and, and it literally said the word says that every nation will come against them, every nation. And so that means even those here in America, which we have begin, begun to see, and I'd like to, to, to kind of navigate in this direction, why people, I mean, absolute moronic, and I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't say, they're very confused. I just get angry when mm -hmm. I see people speak, you know, and, and, and celebrate, you know, rape, terror, and, you know, absolute mutilation. It just, I can't. But even here in the United States, at the, on a lot of these college campuses, um, you have these pro-Palestinian rallies that are not just pro-Palestinian, they're pro-Hamas and terrorist organization rallies. And this is not specific only to the secular view. So I want to read something to you. 
It's an article um, that it was on Harbinger's Daily, and this this was actually something that uh, I came across on another podcast, and it blew my mind whenever I heard this. Uh, it was a poll done, and it says essentially 73% of U.S. Christians, Bible-believing Christians, say the Bible doesn't influence their view of Israel. I'm going to read some of this article. Only about a quarter of American Christians say the Bible influences their views on Israel as the Israel-Hamas war continues after the October 7th attacks on civilians in southern Israel killed over 1,200 and prompted an Israeli military offensive in Gaza. Uh, Lifeway Research, in collaboration with the Phylos Project, conducted a survey asking 1,252 Americans, uh, American Christians rather, for their views on the Israel-Hamas war. The poll conducted between November 14th and 21st and was released the 14th. Margin of error, you know, plus minus point, uh, uh, 2.9. Now, uh, that being said, it went on to say that the number one source that people rely on for their view of Israel is the media in a distant second, is the Bible. Um, that really troubled me. It really troubled me. Uh, I would like to hear your thoughts. Uh, that's That's horrifying, in truth. I mean, there's no way to sugarcoat that. But unfortunately, I hate to say this, I'm not surprised. And I think there's a number of reasons for it, but I'd like to focus on two. Uh, number one, I think that we're lazy. We're lazy in the West. Life is easy. It's comfortable. There's a lot of TV shows on that are great, you know, whatever. And I'm as guilty as this as anybody else. So that's one issue. We just don't take the time to read the Bible. And that's foolish, but that's, that's just the reality. The second thing is, I think so many people have been convinced that when we look at Israel, or even when we just read the Bible, that's too hard. That's, that's too far above us. We can't even begin to understand it, so why even try? And that is absolutely a lie. I am one who works in academia, and there's always this emphasis on being scholarly and rigorous and Academics are so far above, you know, the, the peasants out there on the streets. But that's a lie as well. We all have a brain. God gave us a brain. Our minds are sharp. They're quick. The Holy Spirit can quicken and sharpen our minds even more. And we should be taking the time to allow the Holy Spirit to show us the truth. In Scripture, it says that all you need to do is ask and say, Holy Spirit, please lead me into all truth. Do that and you'll be able to understand but I think people are crippled by both laziness and by this fear that they're not smart enough to be able to understand it. So why even give it a try? And that's why we get to 73% of Bible believing uh, Christians don't form an opinion of Israel based upon scripture. Whereas really the central story of scripture is Israel and what Israel did for us as Christians. Namely, they gave us the Bible and they gave us the Messiah. So why wouldn't we give them our attention in reading the scripture? It's very odd and very sad. It is. One of the questions that I get <clears throat> is, why do, why do people hate the Jews? No, that is a very loaded question, and it's more complex than the simple thing. But I, but I, I want to say, I, I say a couple things on that point because I think that people need to understand who the Jews are. But there's, there's a lot of churches. Jesus himself spoke in Matthew 24, I believe it is, that he said, that uh, that's about the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins. And, and if I'm not getting this, it's either Matthew 23 or 25 or 24. I'm pretty sure it's 24. But anyway, but Jesus is speaking. And, and so when he's talking, he's speaking to the church. 
And as he speaks to the church, the five wise virgins and the five foolish virgins are both supposed to be, quote, unquote, in the church. And what he's saying is half of the church does not know him or he does not know them. And the meaning that there's a lot of people sitting their heinies in the church every week that don't have any relationship with Jesus. When I kicked the podcast off, uh, I talked a little bit about what's going on in the Catholic Church, uh, specifically about the Pope. Um, the, the Methodist Church of the UK recently came out and said that we need to just, oh, it's just not right to call husbands and wives. I mean, uh, it, it's insanity. I'm gonna, I don't want to get too deep in all that stuff, but these are, quote, unquote, supposed to be coming from the church, right? There's so much heresy inside of the church now. If you even drive around here in the Panhandle, Texas, the church I grew up in has a LGBT flag um, flying from it. And I think it's important to say this, okay? I, I love people regardless, okay? I don't like sin. God doesn't like sin. And God doesn't change. Um, but many of these churches, and where I'm going with this, many of these churches are also teaching a heretical teaching called um, replacement theory. And replacement theory, in short, is saying that the, the, the Jews are no longer God's uh, chosen people, that when Jesus came down on the that we as the Christians are now the chosen people. And I think you, you really don't understand what a covenant is. <laughs> Secondly, there's no scripture to back that up. God does not change. Now, you say, well, the Old Testament, I, there's a, Andy Stanley and some other people have made some heretical statements from uh, the pulpit. I believe God is about to destroy everything they're doing because he's chosen the world, and God is at enmity with the world, okay? And so, but he said, he's made a statement about ripping out the Old Testament. Let me tell you something, there's no New Testament without the Old Testament, and God did not change. The covenant changed. The covenant for, for the blood of us, okay, from law to grace. But what, what the covenant of, of, the Israel, of the Jewish people did not change. Nothing changed from Abraham to, to now. They are still his chosen people. That doesn't make us any less. And I think inside of the church, and I want your thoughts on this, but inside of the church, I think that that's one of the heretical teachings that is bringing people into an anti-Semitic mindset two-state pro-Palestinian, and then, I'm just going to add to this one little more piece, why they don't want to believe that it must be the evil Christian and conservative radio and the Israelites and the Jews over there that are saying that Hamas is really doing these bad things. Um, so give me your thoughts on, I know that's a lot I just threw at you, but give me your thoughts there. Yeah, there are a few things I find as loathsome as replacement theory or theology so here, here's the thing I would say about replacement theology. If we can make the contention that the covenant God made with first Abraham and then later it's, you know, Jewish people and David, etc. If we can make the contention that God can rework it or he can change it or he can rescind it. Well, then why would we think that we can trust him with anything in our lives, That's much exactly less our right. salvation and eternity? Here, here's the whole purpose, I believe, in God making a covenant with Israel and making that the focal point of Scripture, right? Obviously, it's working towards Jesus as the Messiah, but Israel should be, for us as Christians, the one solid example that God is trustworthy because the Jewish people are the only people from antiquity who have survived into modernity, mm. and that is a remarkable remarkable reality. And so it should be an example to us, but we are not here to replace them. We're not here to be a duplication of them. We are here to honor them, to pray for them, and to defend them. We are not a replacement of Israel and of the Jewish people. 
In a similar vein to replacement theology, we have this notion that, well, the Israel of the Bible and the Israel of modern and the modern Middle East, two totally separate things. One's political and one's spiritual. I say hogwash to that as well. Mm -hmm. Because when you look at the timing, when you look at the nature of Israel being founded, it is completely impossible to say that this was not God ordained. You can go down and look at the exact verse, the exact number of years, everything is worked out. And it is clear that God's fingerprints are all over that. So the Israel that we have today in the Israel of scripture, one in the same, proof positive that God is trustworthy and still in existence. But the bigger problem is what is it manifesting within the church and within the culture? And what we see is that it is manifesting in intense anti-Semitism, both within the church, whether it's here in America or worldwide. We're seeing this huge uprising of anti-Semitism being pro-Palestinian, if you want to call it that. But the fact is, is that it's Jew hatred, and that's all it is. We're also seeing it begin to manifest on the political right. I am a member of both the church and the political right, and I am horrified to see this happening, of big names coming out and taking a line that's very anti-Israel and people because they're not, uh, they're not knowledgeable of scripture, they're not knowledgeable about current events, easy, easy prey to fall into this belief that Israel is in the wrong, that they're out there genociding all of the Gazans or Palestinians, complete nonsense, and yet people are so ignorant and we're so lazy as a culture that we're now in this place to where we're buying into the lies. And going back to what you talked about a few segments ago, right, talking about a nation that doesn't bless Israel is bound to face some sort of judgment. America is primed to suffer a judgment because our support of Israel is weakening, both in the political realm and in the spiritual realm. And I think we're at a critical tipping point here. And if we don't watch ourselves, we're going to tip over in the wrong direction. I, I totally agree. You know, I, I think that, <clears throat> you know, as it relates, one of the things I've said about 2024 is that um, the world is going to be in chaos. Don't, that, you don't have to hear the Lord to know that. Okay. <laughs> um, I mean, uh, that's pretty easy, but, um, I also really have heard him say that, um, there will be pockets of peace. And I believe in right now there, you can see across there's, there's an apostasy happening in church, but people are falling away for a lot of different reasons, but churches that are declining are the ones who are not teaching and preaching the, the, the infallible inspired word of God, the Bible, that's it. None of this other, you know, opinion, you know, and, and replacement, you know, theology, uh, none of the replacement, you know, in, in, in saying that the Old Testament, it does I mean, there's so many things being taught. And, and just saying, like, I, I, I don't want to, but this one guy, you know, talking about, well, you know, he's been a pastor, had he has a, a number of churches, big church, and says, well, there's just no, there's just no documentation, nothing says, there's about the, the, you know, homosexual marriage or gay marriage or whatever else. I'm like, the Bible says it all, you know? And right. so we're, we're in this place where there's an apostasy. But the thing is, is as we're talking about 2024 this year, I think we're going to see a lot of things happen over there. It's an election year. We're going to see a lot of things happening here. But the one thing that I continually heard is that 2024, that the level of our faith is going to dictate, dictate the level of our outcome of 2024 individually. Um, and I believe that <clears throat> there, there are pockets all over this country 
um, of people that believe and think and love Israel and want to support Israel. And so even though as a nation, okay, that you have to remember in the scripture, God, even when nations were making bad decisions, he chose to protect people who still served him. Um, and that, and I think that's an important thing because as we talk about this, that America is not doing what it should be doing for, uh, for Israel. Um, and as it's going to get worse, I believe. We're going to see, I believe, in 2024 far more anti-Semitism on campuses in the, young, in the younger generations. Um, you know, a sad number, sad uh, thing that's starting to become a phrase. I don't know if you've heard this, um, but in one of uh, the, for the Generation Z, I actually did a podcast. Nobody really listened to it. I mean, because I want to go after the hearts of Generation Z. Only two out of 10 profess Christ okay, of that particular generation, and they are very lost, and they're now starting to call them the worthless generation. That's a horrible title, um, and, and it's because they're so fallen, so lost, and these groups of people, which are an enormous group of people, okay, are also voting, and they're a, a very large portion of the group just so they can belong to something, and because they don't have a spine, and they don't know truth, are the ones that are beginning to fall into this uh, pro-Hamas, pro-Palestinian, whatever you want to call it, um, you know, tirades. Um, and so I just, but I know I said that we, we talking about this is kind of be negative. So to the, to, to, to the listeners, to the viewers, uh, I just want to encourage you. We're, we're not done yet. There's a few more topics we want to hit on, but I just, I want to encourage you that even though we're talking about, this is actually everything we're talking about is good news. It lines up with scripture. God's word is perfect. Think of this. Courtney said something a minute ago that was powerful that the, the, the Jewish people, the Israelites, are the only ones that are the only group of people from antiquity that survived to modernity. And, and not only that, they became a nation. They could have only become a nation after the horrific things that happened, okay? And there was compassion around the world. Nobody, and even people may not have felt the compassion, but they, knew they better not speak up to it, okay? Um, and, and, and so FDR himself was actually anti-Semitic. So who was in place? It was Truman. And Truman was a Bible you know, believing Christian, um, he grew up under his mama teaching him about you know who the, the the about Israel, and when he heard about these people of antiquity coming back, you know, and reforming this nation, he was the first one to call and and to congratulate them and to support the state of Israel being created. I think somebody I heard the other day says he called within fourteen minutes. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. I haven't, I haven't validated that. He was eleven. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. See, I, I didn't validate. But anyway, in, who knows? But it, I think it's funny, but it is, it is important. America was very, very important for helping the state of Israel get to where it is. But the coming year, um, I believe that we're going to see more and more. Um, you're going to see in the church, you're going to see the churches who are not speaking truth dwindle. You're going to see churches that are preaching the word grow and i think that you're going to see that exact same ratio as it relates to people supporting israel and and not and if you're listening to the media for anything really okay they have an extreme leftist bias and if you're a bible believing christian and i'm not trying to be critical but if you're listening to them for your understanding of who israel is and what your views should be the only thing I can tell you is you're wrong, <laughs> and you need to pull your Bible out, and you need to start understanding it is the truth, the infallible Word of God, and you need to get behind uh, behind Israel. That being said, um, I know I got on a little soapbox there. I apologize. 
It's all right. It happens to the best of us. It, it happens to the best of us. I, I just... <laughs> It's it's hard, um, you know, and I think there's so many people, even inside the church, they they, they just don't know. So let's talk about that. Mm-hmm. You're somebody, you're, you're in the church, you're a Bible-believing individual. Um, how do you begin the process? Instead of saying, go read your Bible, I mean, I get it, but a lot of people don't do that, and they don't know how to get started. How do you begin to find the truth of who Israel is and how we should, as Christians, be behind them? So, I, you know, talking about reading scripture, yeah, that's that's the baseline. I would recommend, you know, if you feel like you can't sit down and read through it, and it, it's a big book, right? there's a lot going on in there, then get the audiobook and listen to 10, 15 minutes a day, just getting that scripture in. You know, faith comes by hearing, uh, so if you need to listen to it, do that. There's no right or wrong way uh, of reading the scripture. But beyond that, you need to get away from the mainstream media. And I'm not just talking about the, you know, the CNNs and the MSNBCs. I'm talking about the Fox News mm-hmm. and you know, even the Newsmax. There's not reliable information out there. Mm-hmm. So my recommendation, and this is what I do personally, is I go to sources who are on the ground in Israel. Um, and so I listen to certain people. I use the app Telegram because that's the best way to get raw, unfiltered news coming in really as it's happening on the ground. Uh, And if you're listening to the people themselves and you're seeing things from the ground level, you're gonna get a good understanding of what's happening over there in this particular conflict. Now, when it comes to understanding who Israel is and how we as Christians should relate to Israel, feel about Israel, et cetera, uh, find some really solid teachers So I'll mention two whom I think are very reliable, but they're also very different. One is going to be Jonathan Kahn. He is a Jewish believer uh, who talks about Israel going into, yes, of course, the prophetic, but also he'll go into the history as well. And he can give you profound truths in very small portions of time. The other resource that I use, who I'd say is reliable, as a man by the name of Amir Tsarfati. He has Behold Israel is his organization, uh, and he is Israeli, so he has a very different perspective. But he too talks about who Israel is, what they're doing, where they're headed as a nation and as, you know, a spiritual unit. And so it's just finding people who are on the ground, that they're not being filtered by the media and listening to what they have to say. And then this is what's most important is judging it against scripture. Does it line up with what the Lord has to say? If so, then you know it's truth. If not, then you know you need to question it and prayerfully assess whether this is a good source or not. So it it seems daunting. It's overwhelming. We have way too much information available to us. So it's really easy to be deceived. But if all you do is pray to the Lord and say, give me wisdom, he says that he will gladly give out wisdom and he'll do that for you and help you to assess what is truth and, and what is fiction. I think that's great advice. I'm going to add a few though. So those two that you mentioned are two that I follow. I remember what mirror I listened to him when he was actually so after the October uh, 7th attacks, he was <clears throat> broadcasting. His son is a uh, part of the IDF. And his daughter was just called up too. Okay. I didn't know that. And uh, anyway, he was over there, um, and he was, I believe, when I was listening to him, he was speaking with 
I think it's, it might have been Jack Hibbs. I can't remember. Yeah, um, he usually does. Okay. And it was, uh, it, it was, it was very, very moving. I mean, he was fired up. I mean, he was fired up. Most I'd ever seen him. Um, the, a couple other people that I would mention that, uh, that, that I, I like, I, I, Jack Hibbs is one of them, actually. I like Jack Hibbs. Um, he is not a, uh, a Jew. He, he's a Gentile. Just, but here's four. If you're looking at Jewish resources that are messianic, another one is uh, Jason Sobel. Um, he mm-hmm. does some things with uh, Jonathan Kahn. He also has come on with uh, uh, a, so Jimmy Evans. So endtimes.com. Um, has some phenomenal resources. Um, they actually now have uh, an on-the-ground reporter. I think his name is, name is Brian Schrager. I could be getting that wrong, but it's going to be close. And so they actually have some – you talk about boots on the ground. They actually have uh, uh, a reporter uh, or a, an on-ground journalist living in Israel uh, and has, I think, for uh, decades. And so there, there's, there's a lot of good resources. Another one, uh, Mark Hitchcock is another one who he's written, I mean, so many books. So there are good resources. And, and I think that's what happens is that we, if, if you don't know the reliable, um, then it's easy to fall into some of the false teachings. But the, men, the ones that we mentioned tonight, um, I have never, I, again, I'm not agreeing to agree with 100% of everything somebody says, but everything, everybody we mentioned tonight um, is, is, is going to, is going to tell it like it is. And they are pro Israel and they are pro Jesus. Um, with that being said, do you have any uh, other thoughts about the people you want, you want to relay that, that are on the, on your heart that you feel like people should know about? Um, I don't know if there's anything pressing in terms of what they need to know, except for one, one other thing I wanted to touch on. Um, you talked about, there being pockets of really good believers throughout the country. And you're absolutely right. Uh, And here is what's been on my mind for years now, is that there seems to be this belief that unless there's a big movement, we really don't have any power, we don't have any influence, but nothing could be farther from the truth. No matter where you are, whatever your job is, whether you're at home with your kids all day, or if you're a teacher or a cop, whatever it is, we all have been placed precisely where we are by the Lord. And we all have an opportunity to influence. We have an opportunity to speak out. And so I would just urge people to realize how much power they have and how much influence the Lord has really laid at our feet, but we can't see it and we don't realize it. So just take a moment to speak out. It doesn't have to be big. You don't have to go and stand on a street corner with a sandwich board and put yourself at risk. But do talk to your kids at the dinner table about what's happening and why they should care about Israel. If you're in your workplace and an opportunity presents itself, well, take advantage of that. If you're on social media, that's where everyone gets their news nowadays, we'll take an opportunity to share a reliable link or to make a comment when you see that nobody else is doing that. Because here is how we make an impact. We all take advantage of the opportunities we have. And when we all start to take advantage, we're going to see how vast our numbers are and how much influence we can have. The enemy wants you to think that you have no influence, you have no voice, but he wants you to think that because he knows just how mighty you can be when you're speaking for the Lord. And I just wish that more people living in America today 
knew how blessed they are to still live in a country where you can speak. Yeah, there's going to be some risk and there's going to be some pushback. But the Lord is much bigger than that. And he will absolutely defend those who defend him. And I just wish that people understood how mighty they can be. So I'll get off my soapbox now. That's a beautiful word. No, that, that I, I, I totally and 100% uh, get behind that and agree. And when we talk about those pockets of peace, they may not be big ones. You may be it. And, and <laughs> yeah. so I, I think that that's what's important. You don't have to be around a whole bunch of people to, to have, and, and feel like you have to be in a big community. It may be you, and it may be several, just a, a small group of people, but there's still a pocket of peace. Even when you're at home, alone, by yourself, before the throne of the Father, there's peace. Well, Absolutely. Courtney, thank you so much for taking the time to do this. Uh, sure. I would love My to do pleasure. it again. I'd love to do it again. If you have, because there's, there's not going to be a shortage of current events. I feel like we talked more just to go around about historical things um, and kind of, you know, kind of set things up. But as new events come online, which they're going to, I would, uh, I'd love to, to have you back and have you kind of break it down for us. Sure. Anytime someone will listen to me, I'll talk. So hey, let's man, do it. I, that's great. <laughs> Thank you so much. Well, I tell you what, uh, if you are new to the, to the podcast or the channel, I just want to tell you, thank you for listening. Um, it really does matter. We, we love, uh, the fact that you have joined us here. Uh, this is actually, uh, done, you know, through the church at Bushland. If you don't have a church that you're attending, uh, we would love to have you. We're right out there. You can look us up the church at Bushland. Um, and we are right there uh, off of I-40. And I tell you what, um, I, I don't want to ever close without giving you an opportunity to know, to know Jesus Christ. If you have never committed your life to Jesus Christ, it's the most important decision that you will ever make. In Romans 10, 9, it says that if you confess with your tongue and believe in your heart that Jesus Christ died and God raised him from the dead, you're safe. It's a matter of belief. And then once you believe, all you have to do is say, I receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And if you have never prayed that prayer, my time, I prayed that prayer nearly 30 years ago, May 22nd, 1994. And it goes like this. Heavenly Father, I know in John 3, 16, it says that you sent your only begotten son to die for me. You, you came, you submitted yourself the sovereign creator of the universe, and you lived a perfect life. And you died on that cross for me to erase my sins. And you raised, were raised from the dead three days later. And I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Amen. If you just prayed that prayer, your name is now written in the Lamb's book of life. Let us know and let us pray with you. You can look, see down in the comments below. There's a ways to reach out to us. Allow us to reach out to you and to get to know you. And if this podcast has blessed you in any way, please share this with your friends and let others know about it. We can't wait to see you. Till next time. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast from the Church of Bushland. We hope you will stay connected by following the ministry on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram by using the Church of Bushland. We are all about people because God is all about people. We exist to help people know God, find freedom, discover purpose, and make a difference. 